You're listening to Nourish, Nurture, Breathe, a podcast dedicated to women at all stages of our health and wellness journey. I'm Christy from Christy Lee Nutrition. And I'm Cammie from This Mum's Kitchen. And together, we're here to inspire you with the knowledge and confidence to love into your mind, body, spirit, and lifestyle. Now set aside some time for you and join us on this cup-filling journey. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes released every Wednesday. So let's dive in. Hello and welcome to episode number 10 of Nourish, Nurture, Breathe. This is actually our final episode for this season one um so it's really exciting um that we that we're here and we're just yeah really really grateful and thrilled and appreciative of this journey that we started with you guys um for those of you that are regular listeners you might be wondering where episode nine is and very sadly and now all we can do but laugh (laughs) we lost it um, in the tech ether, something happened and um, it got wiped. So we are embracing that, embracing the fact that we can do nothing about it and just going straight to episode 10. Um, so yeah, so that's the reality of new being new to podcasts, I guess. Um, so in this episode, we're doing our roundup Q&A for the season and we'll be ending all our seasons this way. And it's just our opportunity to directly answer questions that come in um, in regards to the episodes that we've run throughout the season and ones that we feel would be really beneficial to share in a wider platform um, than just responding directly to the emails and messages that we've received. Um, so we're going to be looking deeper into some questions about sugar cravings, about um, emotional triggers um, and and emotional eating and also um, more into that good food, bad food idea that we looked at um, in one of our episodes and some more practical steps around how you can, um, yeah, better manage and I guess get a hold of those mindful eating premises that we introduced in that episode. Awesome. Yep. So we um, are super excited to answer these questions and thank you so much for um, bringing them to our attention. I think that some of our most popular episodes, um, which were sugar and the breathing, we got a lot of um, good feedback about and people just really want to learn more. And we Mm. think that it'd be really great to um, just go that little bit deeper. And some feedback we were given was to just go a little bit more practical and give you some take-home messages that you can do right now if you're having some of these troubles. Um, So our first question that we got in was, um, sugar cravings are the worst for me after dinner, so how can I stop this? And that's such a good question, isn't it, Cammie? Yeah. Because I struggle with that. Everybody, I think, knows that kind of after-dinner sweet craving um, and you've got a funny story how you always crave a sweet after sushi specifically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. After I, I have this, I do. I think it's because um, sushi, you know, I have it with soy sauce and quite a lot, you know, you're dipping your sushi into the soy sauce and it's so salty. And so I find that I always want something sweet after yeah. sushi. And so it doesn't matter like if I've had it for lunch yeah. or if I've had it for dinner, I definitely want something sweet. Um, and that, I guess you could 
fully referred to as a craving mm. but I think in in that sort of context it's just something I'm just gonna do um because my sweet savory sort of balance like I guess yeah wants that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but I think in similar to this example it's definitely a non-hungry food craving Mm. because you've just had your sushi and just like this um listener has said she's just had her dinner so there's no way that you're actually feeling truly hungry you haven't got that grumbly feeling in your stomach um it hasn't been hours since a meal so we've we can probably be confident in identifying it's Mm non-hungry so what are some of the other reasons that it might be would I guess be one would be habit because we do get into these kind of habit loops. We have our dinner, we sit on the couch, we watch MasterChef or whatever is on the television at the time. And yeah. we, we just want to get cozy. We just kind of want to, you know, cause when you have something sweet, it makes you feel warm. It makes you feel cozy and relaxed. Mm. And sometimes it's maybe even that just big, like de-stress from the day. Like you've just, worked all day you're quite decision fatigued by that time as well and all of a sudden you're just looking for those little comforts and um what other things do you think people um fall into those reasons of looking for sweets yeah I think there can be definitely the habitual one like you said Mm. um but also um boredom yeah definitely Um, also tiredness yep um Something else to do, which I guess falls into boredom as well. And of course, we've got, you know, all the emotional triggers that can happen. Um, So in our sugar cravings episode, which is episode four, if you'd like to have a sort of longer listen into this, we we did um, cover all of those areas. But I guess what this listener was asking was, you know, how do I stop it? Because Mm. we sort of talked about why it might be happening in that episode, but we didn't dive into the practical about how to stop it. And I think... The reason for that um, was that it's always so bio-individual, isn't it? Because whatever is triggering you to have that sweet craving after dinner, and this listener, obviously, you know, she said, or he said, it's worse for me after dinner. So they're really feeling like it's something, you know, quite a strong pull mm. that they're that they're feeling. Um, my inclination would be there that it would probably be emotional in, in some way, but obviously without having a session, you know, you or a conversation, really know. it's really hard to know. Yeah. But um, I think when we were talking about this beforehand, what Christy and I sort of agreed on here was the first step to stopping it is to understanding the root cause. The why. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. once you understand the why, then you know what the natural solution to that is. So as Cammy said before, if you can um, bring your self-awareness to what that is, maybe it's boredom, you probably need to change a task. You mm. probably need to go and do something, maybe go for a shower or read a book or um, do some yoga or meditation. You're, you need to go and um, entertain yourself in some way other than using food. Because yeah. Food is very momentarily entertaining and then it's kind of over and then you're just left feeling like, oh, okay, what's next? Yeah, yeah. And mm. and then you know, also it can trigger all the, oh, God, you know, why did I and yeah. all of that? Like you get that momentary sick. reward and then you can sort of, depending on how you feel about food associations, you, you can then slip into that whole thing of, oh, gosh, now I've done that, so I might as well do this. And um, But I do think that that's absolutely right. You know, if it's a habitual thing or a, or a, um, a boredom thing, you know, I guess something that we could describe as, you know, if you imagine like it's an iceberg or whatever, that's the tip of the iceberg sort of mm. issue. You know, it's quite surface level 
um, then yeah, totally a distraction, something else. You know, go away from a food from a, from the situation where you would normally be eating. Um, you know, going for your sweet your sweet, whatever that may be. So like if you're finding that after dinner, you know, half an hour, an hour into watching TV, you're going for your sweets that you don't want to be eating, you want to be stopping, then exactly as Christy said, you know, go and have a bath, maybe um, maybe go to bed. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I find often, you know, if I'm having dinner around 6 p.m., oftentimes around 9, it will happen. I'll be like, oh, maybe I want something. My husband will often have something around that time. Mm. And I, um, you know, over over time, I've, I've sort of learned that that doesn't make me feel good. Mm. And so I don't do that with any regularity now. Um, but a great tactic is, do you know what? I'm obviously just tired. Mm. I've had, you know, I'm, yep. I'm a bit bored by this program because I'm, you know, it's not keeping my attention. I'm just going to go to bed. Yep. And get that wonderful sleep, you know, maybe get half an hour extra than you would get normally. Um, and you definitely can't be, you know, binging on the sugar while you're sleeping. So <laughs> it's, it's a fail-safe tactic. <laughs> I love that tactic. That's great. And I think, and something you just touched on there was influence of other people. Mm. Sometimes it's just, it's just the, the packet, like, crinkling, you know, that sound of a packet being opened by someone and you do kind of like look to the side and you're like who's opening a packet like can I have one or yeah or sometimes it's um a show of love so you when someone goes to get their sweet they don't want to just get one for themselves they're going to offer one to you as well Mm -hmm. a lot of the time and so you want to keep them company as well yeah and it's lovely but um it does and I notice with clients it happens more so that um that the woman wasn't looking for the sweet, the man's got it, and he's got a lot more calories that he needs to eat for the day. Um, and so they can consume quite a bit more than we can. And then all of a sudden, if we're snacking along with them, we, we notice that we just start ballooning out mm, mm, mm. Um, and just feels so unfair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think that that's really, I and mean, that's also touched on another point, which is, if you know when you are looking into your sort of self-awareness of why is this happening and they're trying to find your root cause so you can you can change change that you know um if it is something where your partner might be influencing you or something like that maybe it's a conversation to be having and saying hey look i i'm really saying that you know the sugar after dinner is not doing me any favors how do you feel about just not doing that for a couple of weeks and supporting me that way um and you know and then if you do it together I mean doing things together you know it's so much better isn't it than yep. trying to do something on your own yeah rather t- than telling them to go down to the garage and eat their biscuit and then come back yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I had a client that did that <laughs> so we're, what I and we talk about this a lot we're talking about getting becoming more self-aware and and we've got a mindful eating journal that we'll probably link to again in this um show notes for this episode too um we had it for i think it was was it for a couple haven't we We had it for sugar and then i think we had it for maybe for good food bad food about feeling how you feel around food exactly yeah because journaling is the first place to start looking at uh, what time it is when you're getting these cravings, which this person has identified as after dinner, um, noticing who you're with when these things happen. So you can start to see maybe it's influence of other people. How do you feel before and after eating? Is there something deeper there? Is there an emotion behind the reason for your craving? Um, and then looking at how hungry you are so you can identify, is it hungry eating? So, you know, genuinely you didn't eat enough of your food 
Or is it non-hungry? You're feeling pretty satisfied after your meal. Mm-hmm. But you're a bit of an anti-journaler, Cammy, and, and I do get this a lot as well. Some clients just look at me and go, oh, do I have to write in a journal? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's so funny. I am an anti-journaler myself in that regard, in that in that mindful eating journal. I've tried to keep one myself many times and, and not succeeded. Um, <clears throat> but I do use it with clients that it works for. Yeah. Um, I'm a huge journaler in terms of purging on the page, which is something that I, I talk about a lot and like just using a journal to just, I guess, release everything that's inside outside Mm. um but for mindful eating journals yeah i i do completely resonate with people who sort of resist yeah that and resist wanting to oh you know i wouldn't i just want to have something to eat i don't want to you know write about Mm. it i mean if that's the case you, you you can either i mean really ideally if you really are struggling with sugar cravings and you feel a little bit out of control that would potentially then be a time to say, okay, let me book in with a coach. Let me book in with a dietitian. Um, you know, you decide sort of which area of expertise you need to help you um, and book in at least for a session and sort of get some a deeper understanding about tools that you could be using that would fit you. Mm. Um, but a lot of the time, it can just be talking about it um, and even just having an internal conversation with yourself. I mean, that is something that I do when I feel a craving come on or I feel emotional eating come on I definitely have a history with emotional mm. eating um and I just do those um those check-in questions with myself like am I hungry how am I feeling right now yeah. and you know it, after time it becomes quite simple to be like oh I'm just feeling really run down mm. or I'm feeling you know sad or that or that person made me feel uncomfortable or unloved or you know whatever it is um and you just start to learn those triggers and learn then over time that, you know, binging on the chocolate yep. biscuits isn't actually going to make you feel any better. Yeah. yeah. And I think and I, that's such good advice because, you know, if you if you it's hard to have those conversations inside your head because in those moments, sometimes you can have so many demons that have louder voices talking over the top. Mm. And then if then writing it down, which would normally be kind of the next step of doing it on your own, doesn't fit with you, then absolutely talk to someone. And the first person might be that you talk to a friend Mm. or you talk to your partner and you just, because with voicing it, you start to realize or sometimes answer your own questions Mm. Um, but if you're getting really, really lost there or you don't feel confident to discuss it with friends or family, definitely see a coach or a dietitian. Um, we've got so many tools in our toolbox that help with this because we see it all the time and yeah. we've experienced it ourselves as well. Yeah. And also I find actually audio recording can be really good. Ah. Um, you know, in, in that whole purging on a page sort of idea, but you're not writing you know you just sit down with your smartphone, you know, press record and just talk about whatever's feeling Mm. and that can that can be quite liberating as well so it really depends what works for you um yeah if you are a writer I I definitely find like the long form journal writing to be really successful um myself but lots of clients you know aren't into that so much they might prefer the mindful eating sort of short form writing others might prefer just to talk it through but really, if you are noticing repetitive cravings at specific times in the day or after specific interactions, um, 
in answer to how to stop it, that would really be the first step, wouldn't it? Definitely. We need to understand what that root cause is. Definitely, yeah. yeah. I think Cammy and I are both very big on getting to the root cause. Mm. We're not here to solve your symptoms. We're here to really go down deep and that's where we get results really. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in saying all of this, I do want to give you guys a quick tip because, you know, if this happens to you tonight after dinner, I at least want you to have something that you can try, something very, very practical. Um, and this is something I use with my clients, which is, it, first of all, because we don't want to ban any foods, at the end of this, we're still going to allow you to have this food, but I want you to follow a bit of a process to getting there. And so the first step is to set a timer for 10 minutes. And in that 10 minutes, go and do something different, whether it be a walk call a friend, make a cup of tea, have a shower. It's creating an opportunity for mindfulness and for you to go and explore something different. And I guess it's probably focusing more on those boredom triggers. Yeah. And it's to break the chain. Isn't break it? the chain. Yeah. yeah. We're breaking the chain. So normally you'd be standing at the fridge, you open the door. I want you to set a timer, go and have a shower, go and do something else. And then at the end of that 10 minutes, before we think about having the sweet food first, go and have a big glass of water. That's going to start filling you up and then find just a raw veggie, whether it's a carrot or a capsicum or snow peas and just munch down on that. And the trick is with that, obviously it's so great. We can get more veggies and water in, but you're going to start filling up your stomach a little bit mm. so that then after now go and have your sweet food, go and have whatever it was that you wanted you're probably not going to have as much as you would have beforehand. Mm. So if you have gotten all the way down that road and you still want the sweet, you're not going to have as much. And that's probably my best advice there. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And it's also to say that, you know, it might well happen in that chain of events that we're doing between, you know, getting up from the couch, going to the fridge, getting whatever it is you want to eat and sitting down and eating again, is that you might not actually get mm. to stage two or three of that. You know, you might set the time for 10 minutes do I still want it? No, I'm all right now. Yeah. You know, or after the shower, do I still want it? No, I'm sort of all clean and I'm just going to, you know, sponge my teeth. moisturizing. Yeah. <laughs> go to bed instead. <laughs> it and uh, yeah, breaking the chain is the best way to describe it. And probably, especially with the ring of friend, I guarantee you, you'll forget it. You'll yeah. get chatting and you'll be, you know, laughing or talking or diving down a conversation. And next minute you'll think, oh, like, yeah, I feel I don't even remember being hungry. What did I want to eat again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the thing that I would add to that would be that once you do sit down to eat whatever it is that you wanted, have that be all that you're doing. So don't mm, yes. sit down with a packet of Oreos in front of the movie. You're going to turn off the movie. You want the Oreos so much, you're going to dedicate the time to that. And if that means that you're going to eat the whole packet, then you're going to be sitting down you and your Oreos, no TV, no distractions, yep. nothing else. And I find that as well. They just don't have that mindless eating mm. that you do in front of the TV, yep. um, which can also really help to regulate like portions and yep. things like that. That's such a good tip. And and I think that if we it, – it does get us to start asking those internal questions. Do I want the Oreo enough that I want to stop my movie? Mm. You know, and it, I think it's nice to put those little things in and think, well – not really. Like, to be honest, the movie's really good. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah I, th I think that's a great addition. So let's move to our second question, mm -hmm. um, which is, it goes like this. So I really struggle with stress and emotional eating. How can I stop myself binging when I am down? So this is 
also very much on the same topic. So obviously we've got a lot of listeners who are really keen on learning more about this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think that the first thing that came to mind for me when I read that question um, was, you know, it's, I think a lot of the time we ourselves can really trivialise, you know, our own journeys with emotional eating and just how strong a trigger emotions are with food and just how ingrained it is in our society and in how we grow up and you know that food is given an emotion isn't it mm. and it's given a we've talked about this in good food bad food as well you know it's given a moral stance mm-hmm. um it's given you know all of this weight um that really you know it doesn't have ultimately food is food um but when we are you know talking to ourselves about our eating and maybe overeating or binging or any of these words we might be um, using. I think, first of all, if we can just take a step back and I'm going to say it again, I know I say it all the time, but really give yourself that self-awareness and that kindness of giving yourself the time and space to ask why. Mm. Um, Because there's always going to be some sort of filling of a void if you're emotional eating you know you're using food to fill a void that really food cannot fill yeah and that's where you know the whole teaching of the circle of life which I talk about a lot which is in my coaching practice you know all of those off the plate factors that highly influence your on the plate choices and um it's yeah I think it really takes um it really helps clients take a different angle, a different viewpoint on how they think of themselves, mm. even when they're in a binge, you yep. know, or at least just as they come out of it, you know, that surge of guilt doesn't come so highly because you have that understanding of this is triggering me. You know, it's not just me and my willpower. There's all these triggers and it's yep. like it's an onion and I have to, you know, peel away yeah. at it slowly over time. Um, so... I mean, it's a good example. I think that's perfect there because there might be layers to it mm-hmm. and, and that's where you might need some extra help with dealing with those exactly. layers because at first you, you know, you start with those feelings and then as you dive deeper into, but why, but why, but why, and you can, you can go the, all the way back to a childhood memory, you can mm-hmm. go back to an embarrassing moment at work, it could be a, a bad relationship um, and it's having this ongoing impact in your life that needs addressing. Mm-hmm. And it's and it really is. I mean, I think it's so eye opening as well, because a lot of the time, you know, we think about these sorts of things or we hear about them. and We think it's got to be linked with something that would be huge and really Mm. traumatic. But it's actually not. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes yeah. it's something really small, yeah. but it just had a big effect on yeah. you. Yeah, and then over time it's 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 grown, it's grown, or it might be, you know, it, with, with the example of relationships, you know, it, it mightn't even be that the relationship is bad. It might just be that there's something in the relationship which is niggling or, you know, making you feel uncomfortable or, or unloved or, you know, unattractive or any of those things. Um, and yeah, and so I, I do think in this particular case, my recommendation, my first recommendation would be to, to seek um, professional advice and professional help in, in unpicking those layers, um, for sure, because then that gives you the basis for using that toolkit. Yeah. Um, so I guess we can talk a little bit about that toolkit, assuming yeah. that, that the person, you know, would have the personalized <laughs> help. 
yeah. as well. Yeah. And, and so I something that I will often do, so Mindful Eating Journal is generally where I start to help both of us understand a bit more about what's going on. And then with that, uh, so after a mindful eating journal, then we I'll tend to sit down with the client and write out a list. And this is a list of things to do instead of eating, mm. essentially. And and you want to pick a mixture of easy things, things that take no time, just like making a cup of tea, or something that takes more time, like craft or sudoku or crosswords, um, something that takes you outside of the environment that you're in and some that leave you in the environment that you're in. Mm-hmm. So whether that's going outside and leaving the house or staying right where you are. And and it's this list that you want to keep and you want to have it so that you can reference it in yeah. the moment you need it. On the fridge. It's got to be on the fridge. Yeah, that's the best spot. On the fridge, get a magnet, put it on the fridge, Maybe it's on the inside of your pantry door because yeah. maybe you want it hidden from guests. In fact, maybe we'll make up one. That's for a good them idea. Because I've actually always wanted to do this for my clients. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we can do it now. We'll make you up a pretty one. Yeah. And you can print it off and write on that. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, your and, toolkit. And I think um, another really good spot is in the car. Because um, I have a lot of clients who say that they're leaving work and then they drive past all the fast food places on the way home Mm. because they're driving on, you know, a highway or something. Um, So you want some little reminder in that space that you can then, yeah, take your focus away and think, no, I'm going to do this instead. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, So I think one of my favourite ones that I've written on mine over the years was watch my favourite comedian on YouTube. (laughs) Do you know what's funny? I actually don't know his name. That's so funny. I, I just look up the like this um show that he does and then I just I go back and I kind of go back through the archives. But just that laughter kind of makes me yeah, yeah distracted and we'll we'll link to that as well. Yeah, okay. <laughs> He's great. I, I, think that that, I mean that sounds it sounds funny, but it's actually really quite deep because you're actually changing your mindset there. You're changing the story. Mm, yeah. So in, in in going from whatever emotion you'd be sitting in while you're while one is you know, in that emotion, that poised for emotional eating, you know, poised for a binge, all of the stories that are happening in your head right there, you know, all of that internalizing. By watching a comedian and, and laughing, you're just switching that yeah. story. You yep. know, you've, you've gone from I am someone who is upset, who is, you know, feeling desperate, whatever those feelings are, to I'm someone who's laughing. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's really powerful. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, I didn't think of it like that. Um, so have a list like this and we'll make you one that you can print off and, and just be willing to engage in it no matter how challenging it Mm -hmm. is at the time. Um, I think that's really important. That's why you want the variety of different things so Mm -hmm. that if it's raining outside, you've got something on your list that you can do inside. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you don't feel like going on a hour walk, you can do something much more simple. Yeah. 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 And with this specific question, if, you know, if you are listening, whoever it is that um, sent it in, um, you also mentioned stress really specifically. And I think that that's actually um, extremely sort of self-aware that you've, you've sort of, notice that it's it's stress and emotional eating and and like the connection of those two and so you could definitely add on to that toolkit list you know de-stress activities Mm. um that that really work for you it might be worthwhile and doing some simple it definitely be worthwhile hopefully it works for you doing some simple diaphragmatic breathing and so we talked about that in our breathing episodes um which i think was number three oh 
Gosh, yeah. I think it was a bit further, maybe five. I, I can't remember. We'll link to <laughs> we'll link we'll it. Link it our show notes. And note for Cammy and Christy, keep a list of episodes on the desk while recording. Um, but yeah, we've got, we've got an episode on getting acquainted with your breath. And it teaches um, a really simple diaphragmatic breathing technique as well as a heart hold um, breath work, which would really help with um, you know, with your stress levels. Um, also really love into your sleep. Um, you know, dedicate time to your sleep, make your sleep area be as relaxing as possible, you know, make sure that you're switching off screens and stuff like that, at least an hour, but that's really a minimum, at least an hour um, before going to bed and keeping your phone well away Mm. from you while you sleep. Um, And then, you know, those beautiful nourishing practices that Christy was talking about, you know, like go for a walk, have a bath, um, you know, talk to someone you love, um, read a part of your book do some craft do some art play with your kids you know whatever Mm. it might be things that fill your cup and absolutely as Christy was saying you know and and have them be in different places different time periods so you don't always have to leave you know doesn't always have to take half an hour Um, and just have a real list that's unique to you yeah your list yeah it has to be your list Yeah, yeah 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 that's perfect okay should we do number three yes yep so this is this is a great one because this has, as we've mentioned, I think probably in sugar, um, that carbs have now become the demon. Mm. Um, and this this person wrote in, I thought pasta and rice were bad for me, but now having listened to your episode, I now know not to think of food as bad or good, but I I'm still worried I will gain weight, mm-hmm. and and that's such a great question mm. um, because. It's one thing to learn and understand something, but then to then have the courage to implement it is is the next step. Mm. So, Cammy, what would you say to this person? Yeah, I I also am really um, struck by this question. I think it's I think it's really powerful. And and the the first concept to explore is is truly understanding. You know that premise that food is morally neutral and and, and what that actually means. Um, because what this person has sort of, um, I guess, allowed into her mindset is that all food is allowed and she's sort of ex- exploring that idea but still has those barriers against foods that either she's associated with being, you know, weight-gaining foods for whatever reason um, or maybe, you know, she actually does have some sort of adverse reaction to these foods when she eats them. So I think, first of all, you know, we bring it always back to bio-individuality. So in in our Good Food, Bad Food episode, which was episode seven, seven um, we talked about two of the mindful eating premises specifically. We talked about how all foods are allowed and how in taking that premise, we eat what our body likes. So therefore, what makes us feel good? So in that idea, the first question I would be asking this person, I'd ask you to ask yourself is how do you feel after you eat a bowl of rice yeah. or a bowl of pasta? Do, yeah, um, does it make you feel good or do you feel full? Yeah. Does it give you an, a reaction of some sort? Yeah. Yeah. And also, um, you know, emotionally, is this emotional? You know, mm. is, are we feeling, you know, guilty? Are we feeling like we've overeaten? Yeah. Or, you know, is it more physical, like you were saying? Like, do we feel heavy? Do we, do we feel gassy? Mm. Do we feel bloated? You know, any of those sorts of things. Because, you know, one food might be the ideal perfect nourishing food for one person and for the person sitting next to them 
be you know something that's really irritating and in fact the you know one of the guiding premises in my studies was one man's food is another man's poison yeah and that you you just cannot sort of blanket anything so um that would be my first reaction and my first piece of advice would be you know just really personally you for you how does pasta and rice make you feel is it a food your body likes Mm, um so does it make you feel good do you feel energized after eating it you know do you feel light how is your mindset all of those things and then if you do find that actually yeah it is a food my body likes Mm -hmm. then we're looking more at portions aren't we yeah because it you might go through your mind and think, well, when I've had pasta in a smaller portion, I feel really good afterwards. Mm. And when I don't have a carb in my meal, I tend to actually feel quite lethargic by the afternoon and looking for more food. But when I'm having big portions of pasta, I feel terrible. Like I feel like I just want to roll home, <laughs> just have a big nap. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and I think I've mentioned this one time before, because there's no good food and bad food, it means that it's all about portion and frequency. Because if you eat a big bowl of pasta and you have it breakfast, lunch, and dinner every single day, yeah, it's a bit out of balance. But if we're going to have it in your dinner tonight, I would start with using a fist portion. Mm -hmm. So I think I mentioned in that episode, or actually might've been in Don't Go Hungry, which was our episode eight. Yep. On your plate, you want to have a balance of food so that it's low GI, so low glycemic index. It's going to have the right balance of nutrients on the plate. And that typically follows a portion of two open cupped hands. So if you've got your two hands in front of you, open them up, cup them together. That's your veggie portion or your salad portion. Then um, for your protein, it's your palm portion. So just the palm, not including the fingers. However, I will say... I tell all my clients, if it's fish, you know, I don't mind. Go up, go up yeah. to the fingers. Fish is um, my exception there. Um, then your carb is your closed fist. So like if you're going to punch someone, you look at your closed fist, that's your carb. So that would be a portion of pasta. And if if you really have a look at that, it's not a lot. Mm. It's maybe three quarters of a cup. Yeah. Maybe a cup. Depends how big your fist is. Yeah. But that's the actual pasta though, right? And then we can bulk that up. Yes. With, you know, the yummy sauce and the veggies on the side and a bit of protein and all of that. And I think also there's to say that, you know, there's all sorts of different types of pasta and rice Mm. and, you know, absolutely experiment there's i mean i love if we're going to have a wheat pasta we have spelt in my family um just because of also the way that it's treated and the glyphosate that is often on um you know non-organic wheat products so we we try and go organic and and spelt and like chrissy said we just don't have that much of it so the fact that it's Mm, a more expensive option it works out to be the same in the end um and you know there's all these these legume and pulse pastas now um all different types of rice whole grain rice black rice wild rice basmati rice Mm. you know you can you can change it up and and see what works for you the best and listen to your body like when you have jasmine rice like white jasmine rice versus like black rice apart from being tasting different how do you feel do you feel like one helps you go longer Mm -hmm. does one um, make you feel fuller on a smaller portion Um, I'm guessing it probably would with more of the the whole grain varieties because you know nutritionally they've got more fiber but but do these experiments yourself really 
you know, introduce them, try them, see how they make you feel. And then with that, that body congruence or that self-awareness, you'll naturally start to choose those foods because they feel good. Mm. Not because your dietitian or your coach or nutritionist or whoever told you to eat those, but going on that journey yourself and learning is so exciting. And actually it's just reminded me of a client who, um, she was totally addicted to Coke Zero. She had, I think it was three cans every single day. Mm. And when we started working together, she decided, I'm just going to go cold turkey. I have to get them out. I don't want them there. And I was initially trying to encourage her to don't see it as a bad food, but we're going to try and reduce it down and get you to see how you feel. And when, you know, over the course of our sessions, are you going to start maybe, because this is how I've seen this before, people end up not liking the flavor Mm. anymore. Um, And that's exactly what happened to her. Um, She, she finally allowed herself in this process was feeling guilty initially about not going cold turkey and, and, and going for it. But she said she had two sips and she couldn't stand it. Her mm. body no longer wanted that food anymore because it made her feel so crap. Mm-mm. And that's that that's that journey of learning what your body likes and then having that respect and and um yeah, and doing giving it what it needs. Yeah, yeah, and, and the mindfulness. Yeah. And I think there also, you know, if you are I mean, it's hard to, it's always so hard, isn't it? Because when you don't know who's asking the question, you don't know their specific circumstances. And so it does make it, um, you know, it takes you into that generalised realm, yeah. which is always a little bit difficult. But, you know, let's just say you, you've, you know, your pasta and rice are fine for you. Then you can totally include those foods into your diet. And like Christy was saying, it's about how often and how much of them you eat. But also to help with that, I find to have mindful eating in the terms of that you slow down to eat, you stop to eat. Ideally, you'd be eating company if you can and in company that you enjoy. Mm. Then that can really help with moderating your portions because if you're enjoying the company and enjoying the conversation and the food isn't your only focus you're less likely to be like chowing down on it really really quickly too quickly for your body to register whether or not it's full and you're back you know to get more whereas if you can just sit down slow down have conversation um, and enjoy the process of eating together with whoever it is or if you're eating alone of just enjoy the process of the food and just be mindful around the food as much as you can it'll help to slow you down and it'll help you to moderate your portions yeah those are such good tips slow eating is such a powerful tool mm. for having naturally smaller portions without feeling like you have to use willpower to have a smaller portion yeah you'll just it'll naturally happen for you um, and just to finish off, because the question did say here that they're worried, this person is worried that they'll gain weight from introducing pasta and rice. And I just want to, I just want to reiterate that it's not the food that makes you gain weight. And I think that blows a lot of people like, what do you mean? Food definitely has a role in weight gain. Yes, it does, but it's not the food itself. It's how much, how often you eat that food. And I use a donut in this example all the time. So if you have a donut once a month, probably not going to gain any weight. If you have that donut every single day of the month, you're definitely going to gain some weight. (laughs) (laughs) But what changed? The donut was the exact same donut in both examples. Nothing changed about the donut. They were both the same icing, same everything. 
but it was how much and how often that you ate it that changed. So Mm -hmm. don't focus on the food so much. Focus on how much, how often you eat something. Um, And with those tips around really becoming self-aware about what makes you feel good, what gives you energy, that's where you're going to find that healthy foods start to be they become your preference and your choice yeah and that's where you also get to really believe and really live the premise that all food is allowed totally because then you have that donut you know when they randomly bring one into the office and you're like oh yeah yeah i'm gonna have a donut because you don't eat it every day so damn i'm gonna enjoy this i haven't had donut in ages yeah and then that's that yeah great so there that's the three questions that we wanted to answer today and we love that people sent some questions for us so with our next season that's coming up we welcome people to do this again just reach out to us on instagram or facebook so just send us a private message or you could uh get in touch with us via email which is hello at nourishnurturebreathe.com so We'll just give you a little bit of an idea about what's happening next. So we're going to take a little break just to um, plan out what we want to do for season two. Yeah. Um, And we've already started working on some of these concepts and what you can expect to hear from us next season will be some interviews now starting to pop into our episodes, which is super exciting. Yeah, exciting. We're going to introduce some guest speakers. Yep. Then we've got um, Cammy and I are going to do some solo episodes, um, and we're going to come together on some episodes. So it's gonna there's going to be a lot more diversity in the style of the podcast, um, but you can definitely still expect it to come out every week. And we'll be back again in mid August. Yeah. So thank you so much, guys. This has been season one, and we can't wait until next time. Thank you so much for listening. We're so grateful for the time you spent with us, and can't wait to do it again. If you'd like to get in touch, please reach out to us via the Nourish, Nurture, Breathe Facebook or Instagram pages and check out nourishnurturebreathe.com for our show notes. And lastly, a little request from us. If you're enjoying this podcast, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or your streaming platform of choice. It'll help so many others find our podcast. Thank you and until next time, remember to nourish, nurture and breathe every day.